All right, Jamie, we're here to do episode five of Mr. Robot, Logic Bomb. How have you been, Jamie? I've been doing all right, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. This is the third one in a row that we're catching up on, so we'll do better with this one because it's more recent, right? That's right. Remember more about it. Uh-huh. All that good stuff. Uh, so, Jamie, do you know what a logic bomb is? I do know what a logic bomb is. A logic bomb is a piece of code that you put into, like, regular code that's already being um, coded or that's already part of a program or an application. And it is set to um, activate after a certain set of conditions are met. And so a logic bomb is usually malicious, like that's how it's defined. Um, And it might do something like erase a bunch of files or, um, you know, cause a virus to to, um, progress or, you know, some sort of malware or something. But it's it's basically like the, the way that you know it's a logic bomb is that whatever it's programmed to do, it starts on its own, like after conditions are met within the system that it's operating in. Sounds nasty. It's pretty bad. Yeah, so Jamie, um, on, in, re- in relation to this show, Mr. Robot, do you like, or, or in any show, do you like long setups or immediate payoffs in scenes and plots and capers and stuff? Well, I like both. Um, I think that there's some beauty to having a you know a long setup, in the case of Mr. Robot, it can be a little frustrating because the show is some so complex anyway. But yeah. So um, okay, so let's talk about a couple of these theories that people have. All right. Um, of course, there's a million Easter eggs, but there's a couple of theories. So one is we've talked about a couple of times this prison slash institutional theory. Uh, that Elliot's in some sort of a prison, he's confined to a cell, his room looks small, and he meets with people in certain times in certain ways that seem somewhat institutional. Mm-hmm. Um, like one is one one part of this theory is that whenever they sit and talk to each other, like Elliot and Ray, uh, they sit in positions similar to like a mental hospital or a prison, like across from one another. They're never they're never comfortable in like a living room or something. And so one theory, one part of that theory is that it's not so much of a jail or a prison, but it's like an institution, and Ray is the, uh, uh, the, the caretaker of Elliot. Okay. And in this episode, we're going to see Ray's login on his website as caretaker. Oh. His name is caretaker. Um, all right, so there's that theory. Hey, do you have any take on that? Do you believe it, not want to believe it? What do you think? Well, um, I didn't notice his login was caretaker, so I, I'm behind on that. Like, I, I don't know. it, But I, you know, I've kind of been taking the reality of Elliot's world this season for having the, you know, the kind of cracks in it and, you know, mirrors in it that it has, but not looking really for anything else, like for anybody else to be sort of, you know, like, or for any reality to have a veil over it. So I don't know. I mean, like this kind of stuff, I don't go looking for like stuff to read about the series. Like I don't go looking for theories. I, I try to keep my experience of it kind of, you know, plain so that I can provide a counterpoint to the things that you bring. So I don't know. I mean, like, I, you know, it's a new thought. 
<laughs> I can kind of tell that you don't like it though, right? Like you don't want it to, you don't want it to be there. I don't. Yeah. I'm not sure if I do or not. It's just interesting. <laughs> uh, another one is the red lantern theory <laughs> that anytime somebody gets killed, it's a, in a room with red lanterns. Huh? So I can think of four times people got killed. So Gideon got shot in the bar, and I think they had red lanterns. Uh, Romero, not sure if there were lanterns around that outside patio pot area that he had. Uh-huh. Uh, there was the shootout in the lobby that we're going to see in this episode. That had lanterns uh-huh. at the end. And then the, and Kareem in the restaurant. Had lanterns. So three of those four, I'm not sure of Romero, but three of those four had red lanterns present. Huh. You said Kareem in the restaurant. I thought Kareem was in his apartment. I thought he was in a restaurant. Mm mm. Because they had to rob him. Hmm. I might be, I might have made notes on that one incorrectly. Or maybe there were lanterns in his room. Okay. I don't remember that, but um, that's another theory that I don't know what it means or what it could even add, but there seem to be these odd red lanterns around. Interesting. All right, let's start, Jamie. Um, Elliot is programming. Um, he's looking for, I guess he's in the middle of the hack of the FBI computer. Yeah. And did you see his like ID or something? It's like Sam's Epi-1, Epi-01. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Sam's? Uh-huh. Wow, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, what does Epi mean? Yeah, I liked it. Sam's? I like episode, I think. Oh, episode. You know? Interesting. It's like Epi. A-M-S-P-I, yeah. <laughs> but um, he's hacking into their cell phones, I think. I'm not, I'm not a computer guy so i don't know but it is that's what he's doing because they switch from blackberry to android and he says like elliot makes a reference to that um in like the last episode they say that and then like in this episode he says something about um he's going to be in every fbi agent's android phone or something like that yeah so it's it's graspable but it's he's still when we talked about this last episode in our podcast is this too much for the average viewer to pick up on or do you need to know something about this or what do you think is it asking oh, too much yeah oh yeah. yeah 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 i mean like the the stuff that's here that's that's tech stuff um it's just way beyond any average viewer could reasonably be expected to know and that's why i think that this show is made to communicate on multiple different levels and that you should be able to enjoy it without knowing any of this stuff you just get more out of it if you do know. So what he's going to do is load up some malware, just like you described in your logic bomb. He's going to put a logic bomb in their computer. Uh, it's going to intercept data, and the bomb will execute if the FBI does certain steps or takes certain steps or time, certain time goes by or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does this all by himself. Uh, interesting. He doesn't have anyone helping him do this. Uh, and, you know, did you know that Sam Eshmael is directing all these episodes, Jamie? Um, I think you did say something like that. Like all of them or almost all of them would be directed by him this season. Either that or you, I looked it up or you looked at somebody did. So, yeah. So that seems to me like he's kind of doing more and more all by himself to run the show exactly the way he wants it. Mm-hmm. Right. He wrote it. He's directing it. 
Do you think mm-hmm. he's? Made, do you think Elliot's a extension of himself? Uh, no. You, you don't think Elliot's any type of an extension of Sam Ismail himself? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe the hacker extraordinaire type thing because, you know, Sam Ismail's got like this, um, you know, interest in tech and you know and and hacking culture. But I, you know, I mean, Elliot is a very, very damaged human being who has a serious mental illness. So from that perspective, I don't, Hmm. you know, yeah. I'm looking for stuff to connect and maybe I'm looking too hard, but that's, I kind of took that, that this might be, this might be a little message from Ismail that this is him. Elliot's doing this all himself, just like Esmail felt like he had to do it all himself to get it just the way he wanted it. Maybe. Not relying on anybody else. Maybe. So while he's working, Ray's goon is watching him. Um, and Elliot needs to talk to the old sysadmin to get something or get some information or do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting on the video of this, just the light and the zooming around and stuff. And then they cut to credits. Uh, they kind of zoomed in and out on the video, which I thought was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. All right, we go after the credits to Evil Corp, and the FBI is identifying disk drives and logging in evidence, and Dom finds the thermostat, the Raspberry Pi in the thermostat. Yeah. Now, that's been a while ago. Was that was first season? That was um, that was first season, and that was, like, not too deep into first season. I want to say it was, like, episode four or five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool um, recognizing that, like, that's where they were. Like, they were actually there finding that Raspberry Pi. It's cool. So then we go to Angela's apartment. Darlene's waiting there for her, kind of pen-tested her, penetration-tested her, her apartment. Broke <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, pen-testing, you know what that is. That's like a, you know, like they're doing um, basically – uh, pen testing is a way, it's like what a white hat hacker would do, um, to try to find, um, weaknesses in the system to see if you could penetrate the system to breach it. To see if your Walmart credit card is really safe. And if it's not, they tell them, this is how I broke in. You got to protect this. Got to fix this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought it was really cool, really interesting, because um, what she was basic, she was being facetious. Like she's saying, you know, penetration testing failed. Like, basically, I was able to break into your apartment. So I came in. <laughs> so we learned some stuff here. It's been five weeks, uh, I guess, since they since the the five nine attack. Um, yeah. Uh, either that or since I guess this was the 5-9 attack when Darlene threatens Angela to reveal that she was part of the all-safe caper, the, the drive that she put in the computer. Mm-hmm. And she wants, he does this because she wants Angela to help Elliot. Uh, and all she wants her to do is to drop a small device on the, on the 23rd floor uh, where the feds are doing this investigation at Evil Corp. Right, just drop, just drop something on the floor, drop something somewhere in the building. Yeah, she said, like drop it off or drop it. Yeah. And I don't know what that is or what that'll do, um, but what she's trying to do is hack the FBI so they can get in there and wipe away all the evidence against Angela and Elliot. Right. That's right. Uh, and then she warns her about the CD and says she hopes nobody else knows about it. 
what did you get from that? Okay, so um, she's talking about the CD that um, that Angela put into um, the system over there at Gabriel's, at um, Safe. What is it? All Safe. All Safe. Um, and she's saying, like, I hope nobody else knows about it. Basically, like, I hope nobody else is going to say anything about it because the more people who know about it, the more likely you are to be exposed is what she's basically saying. Like, if there's somebody else out there besides you and your ex who knows about this, you know, or besides you or, you know, however many people who knows about this, then, you know, it could be problematic. Okay. So then we see um, Joanna meeting with Kareem, and he's still sweating it out, worrying that he's about to be caught. He thinks mm-hmm. his phone is tapped. And Joanna just says, don't ask anything, don't ask any questions, and just, just kind of reassures him that everything's going to be okay. Right. I think she'll throw this guy under the bus in a heartbeat if she has to. Oh, uh, well, I think we can see that. <laughs> like, we can see that very well now. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I thought that at the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, I mean, it was just crazy because, you know, he was so freaked out and really scared and, like, you know, saying all his fears. And I was thinking, dude, you were asking to get killed. Like, you're really, really begging her to murder you. Right. You can't have the nervous, <laughs> jittery guy in the gang. No. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm really scared. Yeah. <laughs> you're the one. Your head's on the chopping block now. <laughs> so Dom tosses some guy off the floor on the 23rd floor station, the the, the investigation, because... He shouldn't be there and just says security's so lax. Security's so lax. Um, Mm. Her friend tells her he had a dream about a man with a surgical mask that stares at her. Dominic's not interested in much about this dream, but it's it's an interesting comment to make, to have made. And the black chick that works with Dominic, what's this lady's name? Do you remember? I don't, but I can get it for you if you can give me a second. She's all excited because she read uh, the boss's email that they, need, that they need to go to China. And I think uh, Dominic's boss's name is, Dominique's boss's name is Santiago. Uh, let's see. Looking, looking, looking. I don't see it. Not important. <laughs> um, and they talk about surveilling people and how it's damn hard to trail people in New York. You think about that, it would be. It'd be hard to keep a track of somebody, sly, sly following somebody in New York. If they didn't want to be followed, they could really easily ditch you. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, especially if you know the city. So next, Darlene and Elliot are talking, and Darlene asks, where's the she-devil? And what do you think that means? Mother? <gasps> um... Maybe, yeah, probably. What common person between Elliot and Darlene else could it be that would be the she devil? Yeah, it has to be. The, it has to be the mother. Yeah, and she's awful. Um, Actually, it's really. You know what I think is really interesting though. Um, they haven't shown us very much of her. No, they haven't. You know, I mean, and even when we see her, she doesn't ever speak. And um, I, I think that's really interesting because, you know, somehow she's more frightening that way. Being mysterious. That yeah, that we, you know, we don't see any real interaction between them and we don't, 
you know, see much about the parameters of the relationship between herself and Darlene or herself and Elliot. You don't think she's going to be the typical nurturing, protective force that most mothers usually are? Well, no. I mean, why would she be? Well, I'm kind of serious when I ask that because she calls her the she-devil, but I, I mean... That doesn't, to me, mean, oh, well, that means a mother. I mean, I don't, I don't know why she would think of her as the she-devil. Right? Why is the mother evil? Why do we know that? Why, why should we know that? Okay, because um, she's the one that really did the number on Elliot that caused him to have all these problems. Remember last season, we knew, um, from his memories at least, that she was really harsh and very merciless about their dad. She had terrible things to say about uh, about their dad. She talked about him as being weak, yeah. even though and you know the man had died. And yeah, I mean she wasn't a, you know a sympathetic character. So we get that from Darlene. We, I mean here we're getting it here from Darlene. We got it from her in the last episode. But we don't really do we get so much of that from Elliot about his mother being evil and being a negative. Well, I'm okay. So think about um, when he went last season to um, plant the raspberry pie. You know, he had that scene in the um, hallway, you know, um, at Steel Mountain where he um, was talking to the man who was giving him the tour. And he had those visions of his mother in the hallway there. And he used to have flashbacks like that last season. And all yeah. of those with his mother were horrible. Yeah, and wasn't there the broken arm? How much is this going to cost? Right. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, I don't know. I mean, that was awful, but I don't, I don't think of that particular um, scene as being indicative of her being a horrible mother and a mean person. But it does tell us that she... Um, had concerns that competed directly with her, you know, concern about her children. So, um, yeah, so I guess it's She Devil's the Mother. Elliot intersperses a few lines with Darlene and us as the audience thinking to us. Uh, essentially, she wants, Darlene wants Elliot to talk to Angela to get her to participate in getting up into evil court. Um, and Mr. Robot's there, too, kind of agreeing with Darlene, trying to persuade Elliot. Um, and we go from the airport to China. Uh, Dominique and the black chick. Did you find her name yet? No, I only have like um, somebody named Ashley, who I don't think it is. Um, and I keep looking and I'm not finding. Actually, I need to look someplace else. Let me see if I can find this lady. Um, so they, they're going through the airport. They see some weird mass kids on the escalator. They have kind of the Chinese version of the Monopoly Man mask. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I don't remember seeing that. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Yeah, she's not listed. It doesn't matter. Her name doesn't really matter. So, so these kids are going down the escalator with those masks on. That was just creepy, freaky looking. Uh, Santiago is the FBI guy, kind of Dominique's boss. He meets with Zhang. This guy Zhang is White Rose. Uh Uh, He's the head of security for uh, China, for the whole country. Right. Yeah. Like he's got his, that's not exactly um, what his title is, but it's like, it's like in there, it's like in that realm, which is crazy because you just don't see that coming. 
Yeah, cybersecurity, some sort of computer-related security. But yeah, he's a huge uh, high high-ranking official in the mm -hmm. Chinese government. Um, right. And they talk about the problem. They were not hacked with thermostats this time. Instead, their backup tapes backup tapes were degaussed. So this is what what the F Society had to do to wipe out all the records is not just wipe out one set. They had to wipe out all those backups. Now, mm -hmm. they don't say how they did that, but how do you think that would have been even been possible? Okay, so to wipe out all the backups, I mean, that's like a, it's just a matter of like really erasing files or I mean like you're it's a probably it was probably something manual yeah but um, don't you think they were in some sort of like a Fort Knox I know I'm asking you really hard questions because we know we don't know as viewers of the show yet how they did it but you'd think and there were four sets of them so there would have been like four locations that were probably pretty pretty secure yeah I don't know I mean okay so we remember that this stuff was on physical media, right? But it was actually on... Tapes, was yeah. It? it was on tapes, yeah. Okay, so that's removable physical media. You would have to either like do like what um, Elliot did and either raise the temperature in the room or you would have to um, physically gain access to it um, because it's, it can't be corrupted unless it's run through something. Like tapes are removable storage, so you would remove them and then store them someplace, and you couldn't destroy them unless they were put into um, a system of some sort or unless they were physically destroyed. Yeah, or magnetically or something. But yeah, I just I'm, I'm just curious because it seems like it would be really hard to do that, especially that they're in four separate locations. Like Elliot wiped out one location in the U.S. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, not not only in you know in four separate locations, but not actually inserted into a system, like because that that would be the way to get to them is if you could get remote access by accessing a system. But if they're in storage, they're not part of like they're not in a machine. They're so not you, online, right? Right. Yeah, you can't get to them unless you get to them physically. So that makes it even harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, everything, every every piece of storage, a data, is on a some sort of a tape or a drive, right? There's the cloud is really just a computer somewhere that has stuff magnetically stored on it. Well, I don't know about magnetically stored, but the cloud is yes. I mean, the cloud is basically internet, but it's just like a partitioned, uh, you know, portion, you know, of the internet. But but yeah, I mean. Um, any kind of, yeah. I mean, any kind of storage. Is that what you were asking? You're yeah, like it's it's a physical media of some sort. It's a well, disk drive, a tape, or some some sort of magnetic drive that has literally a. It's composed of something. It's not just literally in the cloud. It's a computer or a or a storage media of some kind. Okay, so it's on a server, like it's housed on a server. But I think it can also just kind of be like in transit but i don't know what happens to it like if you if you don't store it then it's not anywhere like it'll go away <laughs> if you you know turn off a computer or if your server crashes like the place where it would normally be tethered you know if that crashes then you lose the data so um yeah i don't know but it, it's interesting that you brought that up 
because I've never really thought about it from that direction. And, you know, to the end that you're, you know, that, that you're reasoning. Yeah. I mean, and I guess all data, even though it's really intangible, it has to be tied to something that's actually real. Okay. Fascinating. You brought up something really fascinating. <laughs> so, um, Santiago and his crew want to visit the crime scene and see the servers and all that stuff. So he uh, and Santiago also wants to know about the dark army and he's kind of sniffing around the subject. It's a sensitive subject that the uh, Chinese government, you know, he's trying to be he's trying to be polite and sensitive about it. But Dominique just blurts it out. <laughs> uh, and this guy, Zhang slash Dark Rose, looks really shady and smiling and like, I'm going to accommodate you, but you better... You better be careful. Uh, he looks dangerous, Dark Rose. This is Zhang slash Dark Rose. Um, and he hosts a celeb celebratory party at the end of this whole day. So he tells, he essentially tells them, we're going to help you, but first we're going to have a party, which is really kind of weird, I thought. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, those people are odd. They travel, they travel halfway around the world to get to fight a crime, and we're going to get to that, but first we're going to have a celebration. Yeah. Very eyes wide shut type. I don't know. It just was freaky. It was weird. It is weird. And he's, you know, I, okay, so I think that the Chinese, uh, that White Rose really is trying to be um, a good host, you know, because he did say, like, when you come to my country, I will host you or I'll host a party for you or something like that. So maybe that's, you know, just being a dignitary or something. I don't know. Maybe. I think there's a connection with, uh, like, the whole Zhang Dark Rose slash uh, Zhang slash Dark Rose. I think it's it's kind of got a Hannibal Lecter feel to it. It really does. Like, I'm so glad you said that because that was exactly the feeling I had watching this episode. Like, Dominique is kind of like, uh, what's her name, Starling? Yeah. Clarice. Like, she yeah. blurts out what she, she wants to get right to the point. Let's quit fucking around. Let's get this case solved. And there's all kinds of ceremony that these other people want to paint around it. Mm -hmm. and, then she, and then at the end of this, I mean, we'll get to it, but it seems like, it seems like, Unless Dark Rose is somehow attracted to Dominique, he's almost trying to make her into like a protege. Yeah. Like Hannibal was making Clarice into his protege. Yeah, it's a weird kind of thing. Like, oh, I'll, um, you know, I'll be nicer to you if you give me details of your life, things that make you uncomfortable to talk about. I want that information. Ishmael said that all, all of season one was a Trojan horse to get this whole party started, and the real show starts in season two. And they've, they've, painted the road right up to this point to lead to a whole bunch of different interesting plots if they want to this this story could go anywhere yeah yeah i mean it really could um i didn't i didn't know that sam Esmail said that yeah that the that the story really begins with uh season two wow stage stage setting was season one the wow. whole the whole blow up the world data database um, all right, we get to Joanna and her mail. She's reading her physical mail. One package is a silver baby rattle or toy of some kind. Yeah, it's a baby rattle. Is that mm -hmm. evidence that Tyrell is still around somewhere? I, I hope so. You want to see Tyrell again? Well, uh, okay, so it's weird. Uh, I mean, 
we don't know what has happened to him and you know she's getting these packages and i think that as i think that she must feel that if she's getting packages that they must be coming from tyrell but who knows you know yeah i sense a twist coming somewhere that it, we were supposed to think it's tyrell but it's not gonna be maybe so uh ray meets with elliot in the park and elliot explains that he needs he needs access to the database. Uh, Mr. Ro Robot is watching all this. He says, call Angela, don't waste time. And Ray says, I'll have RT stop by. Uh, that's his old sysadmin, I guess, RT. Yeah. And Ray's dog is hurting. It looks like his dog is suffering from something. Mm. Uh, back to Joanna singing some Danish song to her baby. Yeah, lullaby. Mm -mm. Who's this no. new suited? Yeah, he's dressed better than Kareem. Who is this guy? Yeah, that's this, like some sort of agent guy that's working for her. That's, uh, I think, the driver guy. Remember when they had Kareem in the car? And I think he wanted to kill him. And she's like, no, don't kill him yet. And um, he, he reports to her. He does her dirty work. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is the guy that, that takes out Kareem. Yep. Yeah, he goes to leave. And he's killed in the fake breaking and entering. Yeah. Uh, now, Kareem's killed, right? Right. So Joanna wants to know about the death. Like, uh, tell me everything about it. He's, he's killed by this suited guy? Yeah. With a, some sort of paralyzation drug? Mm-hmm. It paralyzes yeah. his motion, but he's aware of everything? Mm-hmm. Very creepy. Yeah. And the guy says, uh, tell me why, why we have to do it like that. And, um, and she says... Yeah, he says, you know, he was completely paralyzed. She wants to make sure that he didn't feel anything. And um, she, she asks him, did he look at you before fi you finished the job? And he says, yes. And then he says, ma'am, if I, if I may, why did I, why drug him? You know, it would have been just as easy to just shoot him. And um, she says, when you kill someone instantly, you rob them of an explanation. They don't have time to process their final moments. And so she says, even though he was paralyzed now, because you did that, in his mind, he was able to understand why his life was ending. So we let him die with answers. And then she says, otherwise, we're nothing but ruthless murderers. <laughs> As though... Doing all that changed the fact that they're ruthless murderers. <laughs> but I thought it was a great explanation. It's weird that Joanna wants to feel pain in her sex endeavors to enhance her, her heightens her sex. But she doesn't want people to feel pain when they ki she kills them. Yeah, she's a complex individual. <laughs> they also make this look, yeah, because then she starts singing to the baby as soon as he's done telling her all about this. She's just getting a report from this guy then about it. It mm -hmm. didn't just all happen right in front of her. Right. No, he was recalling it, and we're seeing it as he recalls it while he tells it to her, while he, while he re reports it. All right, so we go to a bar now, and Angela meets her old boyfriend, Ollie, yeah. and uh, gives her a Bud Light, Jamie. Nothing like a good drink. at a. <laughs> uh, could you think of a lamer drink to impress an old girlfriend with? Um, no, 
I don't have any old girlfriends, but um, <laughs> but if I did, I wouldn't order her a Bud Light. I can tell you that. It's like a light. It's like a light half-ass way. It's just so ugh. It's very mundane. It's about right for Ollie, though. He's reminiscent because that was their first I love you in that bar. He said that's their old spot. He misses her. Mm. Uh, then he gives her his resume because he's looking for an effing job. That was great. And Angela says, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, she, I think she was blown away by that. You know? Um, really blown away by it, the obnoxiousness of him um, handing her his resume. And particularly in light of what happens later at this very table. So they, they talk about Gideon's death and... Um, Ollie mentions the CD, probably dooming himself. The more he knows, this guy's got to be bumped off pretty quickly here. Yeah. I mean, I don't see Angela doing that, but somehow this information's going to get out. That, I mean, he's recording her on his phone, and she dunks his phone in the drink. And uh, she asks him if he's spoken to the FBI, and he says, "No, yes, I told, but I told them nothing." Yeah, it was so crazy. That was so crazy. Really, really, really crazy because he's just no, 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 no. Yes, <laughs> yeah. like God, like like the yes slipped out, like out of his control. Like he had nothing to do with it. You know, with actually confessing, and um, so he says, "No, my uncle's a lawyer. Tell me, be careful. Record anything suspicious. My uncle's fault." And then, you know, um, uh. You know, the whole thing, she sticks it in the beer and he says, I can't afford a new phone. Um, did you talk to the FBI? No, yes. And then he says, um, they took me, they called me in like three times. I can't sleep. I'm scared as shit. And she says, what did you tell them? And he says, nothing. And of course, she doesn't believe him. Um, says just about the CD guy. And then they did like a sketch or whatever, facial composite thing. But I swear I never said your name. And she's gone by that moment. Yeah, this guy's just hapless. Yeah. And she's instantly reminded why she isn't with him anymore. And not only that, but she's got to be freaked out because, I mean, he, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine him um, holding back on anything. No know? way. He's going to crack like a thin-shelled egg. Which means if he did, if if he did, then, you know, he already has. They already have whatever info, you know, they need from him. All right, Jimmy. So back at China at the reception, uh, the one FBI dude doesn't like the food. I think the food would be good there. Uh, where? In China? Yeah, at that reception. Oh, at this reception? Probably. One guy doesn't like it. Dominique sinks out the bathroom. In a super, super dark scene, she finds a room with lots of clocks in it. Uh, one of the clocks is at 11.50, and eventually we hear midnight strike. Mm -hmm. uh, but Zhang finds her, Zhang White Rose finds her, and mm -hmm. kind of kidding around asks, do you have the time? He kind of catches her in a place she shouldn't be. She shouldn't have been in that room. Yeah, she's just admiring, just looking. She asks yeah. him about the clocks, and... His answer, his answer was interesting. He, uh, he says, is, um, he says, seconds constantly pass. Life is just a passing shadow. Right. And this is like that whole t 
time thing that he we know he's obsessed with. That's from Macbeth. That's a line from Macbeth. And then he asks her how she got into the FBI. Again, very Clary Starling-like. Like, how did you get involved in the FBI? He, she tells him. She says she's fascinated and disgusted, disgusted by the brutality of the world. And he takes her into his office and shows her a painting about lost identity uh, and wants her to know more, or wants to know more of her story with the FBI. And she says it's personal. And he says, that's why I'm asking. I guess, I guess he asks her why she got in the FBI, and she says it started with a relationship. She was dating a guy who proposed, and one day she bailed on him and never went back, choosing the FBI instead. <laughs> she said, uh, this is going to make me sound wacky, but I excused myself to the restroom and went out the back, and that was that. And it's funny that that's what she's on on this little errand at the reception. She's up looking for the restroom. Who knows to do what else, but... <laughs> a little parallel there. This is where White Rose tells her he's the Chinese, he's China's Minister of State Security. That's his title. There you go. And he shows her some dresses, Jamie, from the Ming Dynasty. Yes. Why would he do this? Why would he show her stuff? Well, I think I might know, so let's just finish with this scene. So he shows her these dresses with silk and lace embroidery, and she's all impressed. And he, he lies to her and says, they belong to my sister. Yeah. Um, his hidden identity, just like the art he just showed her, like the, the, somebody trying to hide their identity or somebody with lost identity. Mm. And Zhang su then suggests other lives they're leading, other people they've become, and starts to cry while he's contemplating this, cries over this thought. Mm. Now, he takes her back to the party, and I think, Jamie... A little spoiler alert about what's about to happen. We know there's a gunfight at the end of this episode. Right. I think he wants to know her before he kills her. It's kind of like Joanna. He wants to know her because he, he wouldn't tell her this stuff. What do you mean kind of like Joanna? Well, Joanna wants to know about, the, wants the guy who's going to die to know without, doesn't want the guy to die without knowing a little bit. Hmm. Okay. And maybe White Rose is partly telling this stuff to Dom because of this. Because he tells her stuff that he should not have told her. Like, it's going to be easy for her to find out that he doesn't have a sister. Mm -hmm. These lies are very transparent. As for, an F for a sharp FBI agent, he's gonna, she's going to find this out almost immediately. But mm -hmm. he knows that there's a gun attack coming. So I think he knows she's going to be dead in a few hours or a few minutes even. I don't know. I don't know. Interestingly, though, um, Dominique never finds the girls' room. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet he had a nice one. I bet he has a nice girls' bathroom. Probably. <laughs> All right, now Aunt Elliot and Angela meet. And Angela says, Darlene's plan is a simple drop. Elliot tells her not to do it. Don't put yourself at risk. Mm -hmm. Angela says, I'm in a corner. I either act or, or I get caught, essentially. And then she confides in him that she needed his input before she decided what to do. Um, about dropping it? I think so, yeah. I needed to just talk to you. She's like, she already knew she was going to do it, but she needed his input. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, she says, I miss you. I reached out to you so many times. And he said, no. Can't I just know why? So there's more of this. Like, why do I... Why, people trying to get mysteries, uncover mysteries from other people. 
Well, you missed some stuff, I think, in there. Like when they're talking, they're having this conversation. Um, she says that Darlene said it was a simple job. Just place the device on the floor and walk away. And then you guys will make everything go away, That any evidence that you find. That's true, right? And then um, she says, right. And uh, Elliot says, that's our plan. Uh, but that's not the point. Don't put yourself at risk. And then um, she says, I've run through my options. Best case scenario, I lose my job and plea bargain down to a jail sentence, um, backed into a corner. Either I act or I wait to get caught. And then... Um, <clears throat> I told myself I would wait to decide until I saw you because you wouldn't let me walk into this unless you were sure that you could put it off, pull it off. And then um, that's when she says, like, um, I miss you, you know that. And um, I don't know. Right now, I'm not really buying their closeness. And I guess because we haven't really seen them together so much um, this uh, season. I just, I don't care about their relationship at all. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, they do, they are pretty intimate here. Elliot says, I think the day you told me to take care of myself, I wanted to be okay. I wanted to stop seeing him before I talked to you again, meaning Mr. Robot, of course. And mm -hmm. Angela says, and? And he says, my dead father's behind you right now. Yeah. So she says she can be a friend, someone to talk to. And then he kind of bails. He just kind of makes a joke and asks how cord he is. And she says, he's fat. I feed him too much. Uh-huh. Um, so what do you, so you don't like this scene with Angela, huh? No. You don't like, you don't want to believe that Angela's for real and wants to stay close to Elliot? Oh, no. No, I, you know, if that's true, it's fine. It's just I don't feel connected to either one of them. Hmm, Interesting. This scene ends, Jamie, with a Geico commercial. I don't know if you watch any of these commercials, but there's a, there's a Geico commercial with motorcycles in it for probably motorcycle or car insurance. And it's at a f place called the Fremont Diner. It's right here in Sonoma County. It's a really cool restaurant. Huh. It's kind of a roadhouse restaurant right in the middle of wine country. Oh. Uh, I just thought it was cool and that it was so close to me. It's probably 10 miles from me here. That's really cool. <laughs> it is. Uh, all right, so back to the show. Okay, Darlene's yeah. talking to the guy. This is the guy that cut the brass balls off the bull? Um, I don't remember his face. Yeah, it is, I think. She says, act like a leader, do your job, and stop acting like a pussy. <laughs> she promotes this guy to the, to the D.C. operations leader, whatever. And um, he's all sappy about it. She says, just act like a leader, do your job, and stop acting like a pussy. I think it's the guy that saw the balls off the bowl. Okay. Now, Elliot's working on the computer hack with, the, with Ray's guy, RT. Uh -huh. The guy with the black eye, the beat-up guy. Uh-huh. And Elliot thinks to us, the audience, this guy knows his shit. Why did Ray come to me? That is a very good question. Jamie, why does Ray need Elliot if the other guy was going to be able to do it? I don't know, because the guy says he couldn't do it. The guy said he couldn't do it. So I don't know if maybe the guy was trying to protect himself. I don't know. Or protect the world from not letting Ray be, finish off his, pl his plan. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because he does say that. That's what I actually put in my notes. Does he have better morality than Elliot? Like he'll, 
Elliot might do it just to get out, get away from Ray. But maybe the other guy has like really super strong morality, and he won't do it because it's bad for the society. Maybe. So Elliot types a note to this guy because the other there's another security guy in the room, kind of watching over them. Mm-hmm. And they they type they talk by typing. Why did you stop working on the site? Uh, and the other guy says, "Shut up and finish." Elliot types, "They hurt you." And then the other guy says, you don't know what happens on this site? It's a Tor site. So this is explanation to us as the audience who may not know what Tor is, mm-hmm. I think. It's a Tor site. You can get anything you want on this site. Do the math. And the guy gives him access to the site. And then Elliot has a decision. Does he access or not access the Tor? And this is everyone has their if-then moment. Is this Ray's or my own? And then he goes in and he finds this Tor site that's Ray's website on the dark web called Midland City. And on that site, he finds a bunch of illicit stuff. He finds uh, sex slaves and rocket launchers and drugs and hitmen for hire. And Elliot starts thinking and determining if, uh, if is Ray a protective guy and kind or is he evil and criminal or yeah. both? And then he tries to figure out which side is stronger if he's both. Right. And he says... Um... And now I've met Ray's black market of evil. Is this it, that part? So Ray, Ray is a is a provider of all kinds of um, unsavory things. It seems Ray's totally evil now. He seemed nice. He seemed like he might be somebody to listen and help Elliot at the beginning, and now he's just. I mean, how much more evil could you be? You're trafficking sex slaves. Uh, I mean, everything, rocket launchers, he'd probably sell to anyone who had the most money. Yeah. Kill innocent people, drugs, hitmen for hire. He's just totally evil now. Yeah. And Mr. Robot wants him to stop trying to figure it all out. Just forget everything you've seen and move on. But Elliot's conflicted. He wants to help those people, just like he wanted to help the very first scene in the very first episode. The child molester guy wanted to take that guy take that guy out to help the children that were being abused yeah and uh yeah elliot says mr robot can deny it all he wants but i can't and um you know so and then and you know if we know anything about elliot at all if that's true what we knew about him when we first met him then he won't be able to ignore this yeah so there's another cool little easter egg in here in midland city uh, Mid- Midland City was a place in a Kurt Vonnegut novel called Bref- Breakfast of Champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the stories there is set in a town called Midland City, Ohio. Set predominantly in a fictional town, of Mi- fictional town of Midland City's story of two lonesome, skinny, fairly old white men on a planet which was dying fast. One of these men is a charming but deeply deranged Pontiac dealer. <laughs> and landowner whose mental illness causes him to believe that a science fiction story by the other man, Kilgore Trout, is the literal truth. Trout, a largely unknown pulp science fiction writer uh, who has appeared in several other Vonnegut novels, looks like a crazy old man, but is in fact relatively sane. Wow. So there's a little Easter egg there. Um, But Mr. Robot wants him to stop all this bullshit. Don't try to figure out, Ray. Just get on with what we're trying to do. And Elliot's conflicted. He's not sure what to do. And then he thinks to us, the audience, again, a logic bomb explodes at either a set time or met conditions. 
now I've met Ray's black market of evil. Uh, Mr. Robot can deny it, but I can't. Can you deny it? Meaning us, the audience. Yep, that's right. Uh, then we get to Joanna, and she's having dinner with that music box that she got. Yes. And the phone rings, and it's just breathing, and she hears sirens first on the phone because she runs out to see who... I think she hears those sirens that she sees in real life on the phone, thinking that Tyrell, because she thinks it's Tyrell, is right outside. So she right. runs out to catch him. Yes, that's right, because she hears the sirens on the phone and outside the front door. And she runs out. And I really <clears throat> expected for Tyrell to be kind of like, you know, on the ground, like beat up, dying, or, um, you know, something. And I don't know what. You know, I guess we're not supposed to know, but that was pretty mysterious. Yeah, they also kind of make it look like if Elliot's in this busy, is busy on the computer hacking with these other people around him, that it would be hard for him to make this call. Like, it would be hard for Tyrell to be in Elliot's mind. Right. But I don't know. I don't know how much time is, has elapsed. Right, because the, the time thing is weird, too. So, I don't know. Who knows? All right, Jamie, we're getting there. So Angela walks now through the night. She takes cab to cab to cab to subway. It's Darlene's instructions, I guess, to lose any people following her. Mm -hmm. um, it's got some cool Chinese slash music box music underscoring her, her actions here. I thought it sounded like that, Chinese music and music box music together. She ends up meeting with Darlene, some more blurred scenes, and they walk into focus in the scenes. Pretty, pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and was Mobley in that room, too? It looked like somebody that looked like Mobley was there. I didn't see him. At that meeting. So we go to the morning now in China from the day after the reception. It looks like Dominique has a hangover. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, explaining the clothes scene to this black chick who we never found the name of, that, that uh, she finds out he doesn't have a sister, so that wasn't a, much of a secret. And they, they also learned that the Raspberry Pi evidence is ruined by smudged fingerprints. So any fingerprints on that device have been smudged up by other people who touched it or something. Mm -hmm. And while they're talking, they get the gun, the gun fight in the hotel lobby. Yeah, that's crazy. That was a really frightening scene. It kind of reminded me of um, that scene in True uh, Detective Season 2, the shootout episode, <clears throat> where the cops and... Uh, we're in that great shootout in a real, you know, horrible season. That was a really standout scene. And uh, this season, this this scene in a really good season of uh, Mr. Robot had a similar effect on me of being really frightening and feeling really visceral and real. Do you uh, think, Jamie, that Dominique is going to survive this shootout? I don't know. Because it's not over when it, yeah, no. when they take us, they cut away from it. She shoots a couple guys. She gets a, one guy in the side. Pretty nice shooting. She's pretty calm. She's pretty composed mm -hmm. in this tough, tough setting. But I think it kind of reveals that White Rose expected her to die in this attack. Otherwise, he probably never would have told her all the stuff and shown her the wardrobe and revealed this easily debunkable sister story. I don't know. I mean, I don't know because, uh, yeah, I mean, so he said he had, you know, and you might be right. I mean, you really might be right. But I don't know how much the sister thing has to do with anything, because it's certainly not illegal to have a sister or not, or to lie about having a sister, so I don't know. Well, any, I mean, it's so transparent of a story. 
Yeah, you're right. Next scene, Elliot's awakened by the thugs, um, some thugs, Lone Star. I don't know who the thugs are. Lone Star, maybe? Um, um, it's the, I, I, yeah, I don't know those guys. I don't recognize either one of them. But they've tortured the guy, the other guy, into telling them the stuff they needed to know, and they drop off his hair. Maybe that was Lone Star's hair. Or is that RT? I'm losing I track still of don't people. know. I don't know who's... Um, like ponytail that was I think it was the hacker with the black eye they've, they finally finished him off they tortured him to get information they drop off his hair I guess it could mean he's still alive but it probably means they tortured him to death and here's proof and Ray, Ray shows up and says I told you not to look at my computer and find all that tour stuff but he had to know he was going to look and find that stuff and then Elliot, it looks like Elliot's getting beaten up, as the, or it sounds like he's getting beaten up. Yeah. And that's it, Jamie. Yeah. Got any thoughts you're worried about Elliot? Well, I'm okay. So we know he's not going to die. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to get the heck beaten out of him. And um, Ray is bad, bad dude. All right, Jamie. Well, we're going to wrap this up quick because we just did three podcasts to catch up. So we'll catch up next week on Master Slave. Awesome. Episode six. At Word Gurley, at Scathing Tweets, and at West Coast Project for our website for all the feeds. Any awesome. final thoughts, Jamie? Can't wait to talk about it next week. Any, any <laughs> shit you wish you would have said? <laughs> all right. So my new website um, sh- uh Wish I said that shit is um, is com. up. And yes, wish wish I said that shit dot com. Um, there's a reason for that name, and it's on the website. Um, and uh, it's it's not fully populated yet, but if anybody wants to go there and take a look at a at a website that's in um, process of of being made awesome. You can go and look at it and, uh, I will have it ready for everybody soon. And thanks for pumping it for me, Mike. All right. And come back next week to West coast project. All All right, right, Jamie, go feed that hungry family. All right. Bye. Bye.